Welcome to Be A Better Speaker with me, Graham David, expert speaker. And this podcast is for you if you want to be a better speaker, facilitator, presenter or trainer. It's full of practical tools, tips and techniques to help you be better. This podcast is sponsored by bluebeetle.co.uk and grahamdavid.co.uk. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about how to get something wrong or to have a minor fail while speaking or for something to go wrong and somehow for it to work for you. This is is a reasonably high-risk manoeuvre and I certainly wouldn't advise it if you're a brand new speaker. So even though it's going to sound quite cool and exciting, um, I, I genuinely suggest... This is something you probably need to know about. It's probably a technique that you might be able to start to spot when you watch uh, other speakers and presenters. But unless you are at a level of presentation ability, and if you're not sure whether you're at that level, probably you're not, um, I really wouldn't recommend this. So what we're looking at is how to use what is apparently a mistake or things going wrong in a way that can uh, actually boost your overall performance. So where does this come from? Well, I've been presenting and speaking for more than 20 years and prior to that and alongside some of that, I've also worked as an actor, as a presenter, as a radio presenter, Um, I've been in, uh, I think it's 20-something adverts now, uh, an awful lot of training videos, uh, a lot of on-stage work. And the on-stage work is where you really learn this particular ability because frequently things go wrong. The reality is stuff goes wrong all the time, but in most cases, audiences don't know it. However, Sometimes things go wrong and the way that the performer reacts or the way that the actor deals with the situation, in fact, adds to the overall experience the actors have. Now, sometimes what happens, and I I hope I'm not shattering any illusions you may have, a mistake happens during a rehearsal, which is so good and it's funny or it provokes such a reaction it tends to get worked into the show and it becomes part of the rehearsed performance. However, um, the performers or whoever is on stage will continue as though it is a bit of a mistake. So I'll give you a few examples to illustrate what I'm talking about. And these are rehearsed things that have gone wrong and have actually started to become part of the show. So... um, A long, long time ago, working with uh, a couple of my colleagues, we were looking at a communications programme and we were working on questions and questioning and the power that really strong questions can give the the whole um, presentation. And one of the things that we do when we do a, a smaller workshop is a piece about open questions and as a way of getting people to start working with and playing with open questions and realising how frequently we tend to ask closed questions, uh, I got into the habit of asking a couple of my colleagues to demonstrate what we called the open questions game. Now, it doesn't matter what it is. It's a a small piece of theatre. It's quite funny. But it just makes the point quite well. 
Well, one particular day, I was getting to the point where I was about to introduce this game, and I called on my two colleagues and said, right, let's, let's play the open questions game. And their faces told both me and the audience this was news to them. Uh, it was sort of a mouth open, what, uh, yeah. I think one of them said, would have appreciated a little bit of warning here. It got an enormous laugh. Um, they went into the game. It was a little bit random, but it worked. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. Now, what's happened since that was that on that particular day, I had two different colleagues working with me. Absolutely my mistake. I'd forgotten to pre-warn them that I was going to say, let's get into this exercise and demonstrate what we mean. And it's since become um, part of the script. So I will frequently say, I'll just get my two colleagues, and they come in looking slightly, oh, would have appreciated a bit of notice. It creates a nice buzz from the audience, and then we go into the exercise. Many years ago, I was watching uh, Henry V. In fact, it was the, um, the opening season at the Shakespeare's Globe Theatre in London, the, the open-air one built in the, the same shape and dimensions of the globe uh, 500 years ago. And in this opening performance of Henry V, there is a moment when the French forces are planning their, uh, their battle for the following day against the English and the, the French leader walks to the front of the stage and he's talking about how he, he can't wait until dawn. He, he's, he's looking forward to, to starting the battle with the English. He's looking forward to, um, I mean, he talks about the, the, the taking the English dead, a uh, hundred English dead. And he was doing this mid-performance. And as he talked about, I will have a hundred English dead by dawn, from the very back of the theatre... Somebody in the audience yelled out, come up here and say that. Now you can imagine, this is a performance of Shakespeare, the audience fell about laughing, the actors on stage, you could see they were struggling to not laugh, and it was a, a truly magical moment, and it absolutely suited the theatre, it suited the play, it suited the environment. But the reality was, whilst it could have been something that was just said on that one moment at that one time, the reality is that probably it had happened earlier on in the run of plays and they'd realised it was a, a great little moment. And so it was built into the performance. It became actually what was apparently a mistake, something that wasn't intended to happen, but it really added something to the show. That's what I want to look at. Why would we do that? Well... There are a number of reasons. If you're a very strong presenter, so I've spoken before about my balance between confidence and arrogance, right? On stage, I'm a very assured speaker. So to allow a little glimpse of a mistake, a little wobble, a, 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 little, um, a little chance to, to, to demonstrate that you are not absolutely bulletproof is often quite a powerful thing. You can't do it too much. You can't be doing it several times in a presentation. But once is probably about right. And of course, it will depend on what the presentation is for and to whom the presentation is being given. If you're giving the pitch of your life to the senior board, you don't want anything to go wrong. If you are presenting... Uh, your your proposition to your customers, to your stakeholders, again, you probably want this to look as good as it can look. But often, if we're speaking to peers or if we're speaking to an audience that we are winning over or we have won over, 
This is a really powerful technique, but I again will emphasize it is quite an advanced technique. It's still worth knowing about it though. So you might be doing it to, 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 to show you in a slightly different light, but it also allows you to show how you cope when things go wrong. It allows you to illustrate your ability to cope with the reality of the world, which is agile, fast moving. Things go wrong and yet you manage to cope with it. It changes the state in the room. I've spoken previously about altering the way the room feels. And you do that by the way you speak, the pace, the tone. You do that with the use of music. You do that with the different content, the different activities, the different direction the presentation is going to take. Well, here's another way that you can do that. So I said I'd give you some examples of when I've used this particular technique myself. And I've referred already to the... Uh, the open questions game. Let me give you a couple more. So this first one was a, a genuine mistake and it has since become something I occasionally use. It's quite a high risk one, as I've said, but for some audiences, it's it's pretty good. I was speaking at an event, I think in Oxford, and there was about 150 people in the audience. It was um, quite a high energy uh, presentation. I was there working with uh, a couple of colleagues. I was speaking, I think, for about 20 minutes at the start of this event. And it was all going well, except I noticed that there was sort of a growing wave of people starting to laugh and giggle and talk to each other. And whilst I have often a, a good reaction to humour in my presentations, they weren't laughing in the right places. In fact, they were just seemingly amused by something and I didn't know what it was. I did that thing that uh, many male speakers will do at this stage, was my hands just checked the top of my zip of my trousers to make sure that uh, that wasn't the issue, but it, it wasn't. And I, I continued and thankfully somebody pointed out what it was. And what it was was my belt, which was a leather belt, quite a long leather belt, um, but a very um, flexible leather belt had unclipped itself from uh, around my trouser loops and is now swinging between my legs. So yeah, it's kind of childish, clearly. <laughs> However, as I was walking around the stage and as I was talking, as I was making what I thought were very deep, important senior points to, to be considered and, and thought about, this belt was swinging between my legs. Well, you, you get the picture. So <clears throat> as I realised this, it allowed an absolute moment of humanity. The audience saw at that precise second it, it hadn't been planned that I was in that moment a little bit embarrassed, sorted the belt out and continued with the presentation. Have I since used that particular technique? Well, I have on a number of occasions. It's not suitable for the majority of audiences that I work with. And it's not something that I always use, but it is something I occasionally use. And it always gets that same reaction. A little bit of humour at my expense. It lowers my status. It allows audience to see that uh, I am not invulnerable, which is often how I present myself. It then allows the audience to see me laugh at myself with them. That redresses the status situation. It then allows me to solve the problem, apparently no longer embarrassed because it's business as usual, and it allows us to move straight on to the next stage. Now, something like that, as I say, and I keep <laughs> repeating, I'm not suggesting you do that, but I am 
inviting you to consider that sometimes intentional mistakes are quite a gift to us. It's possible that you will have said something, or you'll have had a, a wardrobe malfunction as I did, or something will have happened, and it got a good reaction. And although you were slightly mortified, although you can be slightly mortified, slightly embarrassed, or massively mortified, <laughs> despite the fact that at the time it was perhaps uncomfortable for you, as my swinging belt moment was, if you think back to it, it's possibly something you might wish to resurrect and to make part of your presentation. With all of the care that I've put forward, nothing is going to be suitable for everybody. Somebody's going to be offended by something. Let me give you another example. I sometimes have an energizer game that I play with audiences. And again, what the game is and how you play it is not relevant here, but what it involves is people clapping. And one time, and I don't remember when this was, it was a very long time ago now, uh, I was talking about the rules and I was explaining it to the audience and they were listening and all was fine and we were just about to start. And um, somebody who was a very earnest learner uh, near the front of the, the, the room said, Graham, what do you call this game? And without thinking about it, I said, I call this game Pass the Clap. And in that moment, I realised what I'd said. And the audience laughed. And I said, yeah, that probably should have thought about that before I said it. It got another laugh. And then we went into the game. And what I noticed was that, as you probably know, most people don't really like energizers. Most people don't really like warm-up games. They find them embarrassing, silly and childish. Now, I still use them for all the reasons that, that I'll explain. But in that moment, as everybody was able to laugh at my slip-up, it lowered the tension. And as we then went into the game itself, people were still laughing about what I just said. Some people thought it way funnier than I actually think the joke is. However, that was how we went. Now, is it possible that somebody's going to be offended by that? Yes. Is it childish? Absolutely. Is it inappropriate? Well, perhaps. Am I suggesting you use that phrase or that joke? No, of course I'm not. But what I'm suggesting is... In that moment, I have found a phrase that I have used whenever I play that game. That phrase with that game consistently delivers me a good reaction. Which is why, in that moment of mistake, I have found something that changes the dynamic and the direction and gives me an edge when I'm presenting. Let me give you one final example. I very rarely use PowerPoint. And there are many reasons why I don't use PowerPoint. I will sometimes use it with uh, a conference audience if it's, it's several hundred people. But wherever possible, I prefer to either use flips or no presentation uh, slides at all. Or I might use um, a tablet where I can write on the, the, the tablet and it comes up on the screen. But preset slides just feel slow and a little bit stultifying to me, so I tend not to use them. Well, this was an event where I was using slides. And I not only rarely use them, but I don't use many slides either. And this particular presentation, which was going very, very well, and I got so far into it, and um, flicked the slide up. And because I use slides very purposefully what I don't do is put a slide up and talk about it put a slide up and talk about it 
Instead, as I keep talking, the slides will change behind me. You can always tell from your laptop or the monitor screen what is up on the screen. You don't need to turn around and stare at it like everybody else does. And as this slide came up, I knew it was completely the wrong slide. And so the script that in my mind I was moving to just didn't work at all. I could see from the monitor that um, there were no other slides. Now, I, in truth, I was only due two more slides. And it would have been fine if I didn't have them. But what I couldn't do was just flip on to the next one. Uh, I didn't want to go scrabbling for, oh my gosh, gosh what do I do here? Um, oh dear, how do I solve this? So instead, what I did was stop dead and just said to the audience, yeah, that's the wrong slide, which got a slight <laughs> moment from the audience and then allowed me to refer back to what I'd said earlier on about preparation, which got a bit of a reaction, and then allowed me to move on to what I was key to that presentation, which is all about agility, thinking fast, moving fast, and being able to deal with a changing situation. And what happened was, I killed the slide, finished up my presentation, I only had two other slides, as I said, and went through the rest of the presentation, and realised afterwards, as I got talking to clients that I knew, that this had largely been seen as me demonstrating what I was talking about. The need to change, the need to be agile, the need to move quickly, to think on your feet. It had largely been assumed that that mistake that I had genuinely made was a demonstration for me to show exactly what I meant by dealing with change on the hoof. Now, that third example isn't likely to be one that I'm going to repeat because I so rarely use slides. So when I use slides, I want them to work flawlessly. But that could be something you consider. The wrong slide or the wrong detail or um, you know, the wrong order. But I will repeat, in all of these examples, making mistakes on stage is a high-risk strategy. Now, I absolutely stand by it. It has absolutely worked for me, but sometimes it won't. And sometimes somebody will be offended or find it inappropriate or not appreciate your humour. I'm okay with that. You need to decide whether you are or not. Thanks for listening. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Be A Better Speaker. If you'd like to help me to keep making these podcasts for you, please consider subscribing right now. Leave a rating or leave a couple of words of encouragement. Be great to hear your reviews. My name's Graham David, expert speaker, and this podcast is sponsored by bluebeetle.co.uk and grahamdavid.co.uk.